0: Greetings, everyone. You're listening to KYRS 88.1, 92.3 FM, Medical Lake, Spokane. First of all, you're listening to Art Hour, and I'm one of the co-hosts, Mike Malson. I'm the other co-host, Eric Woodard. And we have a special guest today, um, local musician, um, songwriter, uh, writer, also college teacher, professor, Mm -hmm. and... uh, And we're going to have a great interview, and welcome, Liz Rodness.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: Thanks for coming in. Uh, So the reason we kind of asked you here right now is um, we've got Girls Rock Lab coming up.
1: Yes, we do. That's kind of a big deal.
2: So Mm -hmm. tell us about that.
1: So Girls Rock Lab is a program uh, housed through Spark Central, the local nonprofit. And um, it's a music program for kids, grades 3 through 8, and we bring girls in who uh, want to play music and give them a space to form bands, write songs. And at the end of the week, the camp usually lasts a week. And at the end, we have a performance and they get to perform their songs for a live audience, which we have done at the past. Um, in the past, we've done it at the Bartlett this year we're doing it at the Spokane Public Library downtown on, their, on the Lens at the stage there. And uh, I can say a lot about Girls Rock Lab. It's um, a great program that I'm so proud to have been a part of helping get started. Um, it is about music, but it's also about empowering girls and giving them the space to create music and to have their voices heard.
0: Do you get um, any feedback from the girls? Um, now, how, well, how many years have you been doing that? Because I know you were instrumental in getting the whole thing started. But this has been a two or three-year process, a project, right?
1: We started in 2014, and so this will be our sixth. Oh, Girls wow. Rock Lab. Mm-hmm.
0: Jeez. So, do you have any alumni from the program that, are, <laughs> that have actually um, either given feedback as to what the, the program has done for them, maybe even if they didn't continue? Because it's really about empowering women,
1: yeah. young women,
0: uh, is a big part of that. That's important. But uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, they every year we ask them, you know, what, what did you like about girls rock lab? What would you like to see? And it's been so fun to hear their responses. Um, So many of them say uh, it's fun to get to meet new friends, fun to learn how to be in a band, um, fun to, uh, to get to be on stage. And, um, I think it won't be long before we start seeing some of those girls who participated in local bands playing. Now that we've been doing this since 2014, Mm -hmm. I think that's something that we're going to be seeing really soon. And this year we have um, possibly, I'm not entirely sure yet, but I think we're going to maybe have one volunteer um, who was a participant in the past. Mm -hmm. So I know it's something that they they remember and we often have kids who've participated in the past, want to come and participate again. Um, so I, I mean, I see that they, I see that it, it's empowering for them. The kinds of songs that they write are amazing too. They talk about, uh, you know, uh, they, the, I, I should let you listen to some of their mm-hmm. songs um, to hear, to hear some of the messages that they're writing but um they uh they'll talk about you know um wanting to reject the uh, expectations of what it of sorry i'm a little nervous being on the radio. <laughs> like, <laughs> even though we're not live It just kind of happens um uh <clears throat> but they uh they'll talk about um feeling pressure to dress a certain way or feeling pressure to look a certain way or act a certain way and wanting, uh, you know, to be who they are and be themselves. And their songs often often are about that kind of thing, like rejecting the expectations on young girls.
0: you, does things like social pressure come up a little bit, not just um, female, you know, gender issues, but also you know the social media thing now with the, this generation of kids you know there's always seems to me as an educator I've noticed a lot more uh, comparing oneself's reality to what they think is the reality out there which causes a lot of anxiety and things like those kind of issues and public public education I'm sure in other places I mean I see that but um, girls rock club uh, Do you guys talk about those things? I mean, there's a little bit of this, I mean, to be able to communicate some of these issues, uh, especially with females.
1: Yeah, and in fact, we you know, like I said, it's, it's about the music, but it's also about all of these other things about, you know, helping girls find their voices. And, and by the way, we, we welcome girls and non-binary kids. Um, but in our title, we have uh, girls rock lab, um, which is kind of part of this history of rock and roll camps for girls that started in Portland in the nineties. We, um, have kind of followed that tradition, but I want to clarify that we do Mm. welcome Uh Uh, transgender kids, we welcome kids of diverse gender expressions. Um, but uh, so we do uh, do workshops as well and we'll have our volunteers um, will lead workshops kind of based on their expertise. So for example, one year we had a psychologist, and she led a workshop that was about overcoming stage fright. And we have someone, um, Jamie Absalon, who has been a volunteer with us for a long time, and she leads a workshop uh, that she calls um, Band Identity, and she helps the bands kind of think about what their band identity is and how they want to embody that identity or what they want to do to you know in order to like if they want to make a poster that looks a certain way to help convey who they are as a band or uh, how they want to present themselves as a band and then we we talk about what it means to be a girl in this industry that is dominated by men historically has been and continues to be and we talk about what that means and strategies for, um, getting your voice heard and strategies for starting a band and like learn, helping them connect to those kinds of resources.
0: Mm -hmm. You were, um, part of an article, I believe in the Inlander where they talked a little bit about, um, I think it had to do with the, the amount of female Owners that we have of venues here in Spokane, so we have we have a lot of role models, which I think. Spokane has done a good job with that, both with um, solo female artists, you know, such as yourself and, you know, I think Lindsay Johnston and Eliza Johnston.
3: Mm -hmm. I mean, we
0: have, uh, you know, Carly uh, Ingersoll and as well as owners, you know, like with the Big Dipper, with um, Dawson Horner, And and so um, that's a pretty cool thing that we um, you guys are providing lots of role models with that. What other things do you you see that Spokane could be doing to help empower our young females? Yeah, well,
1: on the note of role models, that's one thing that's also really important with Girls Rock Lab, and all of the people that you're naming um, are people I adore and I'm familiar with too, and many of them have volunteered with us at Girls Rock Lab, and one of the things that we really want to do is to be able to connect our participants with those role models and to have them see these women in the community who are, who are, uh, owners of venues or who are um, musicians, you know, Lindsay Johnston, uh, Vanna O, um, Carly. And uh, there are so many people who have uh, who participated with us who are local musicians and who um, are amazing role models for the girls to see. And then my hope is always, too, that they see us working together in a way that is collaborative and. Respectful and see that they can join this community that is, I hope, supportive and welcoming. And my hope is that as, you know, as Girls Rock Lab continues and as um, those of us who are women in the community doing the work that we do continue to do what we do, that we can keep connecting and keep kind of growing that supportive environment. Mm-hmm. So,
2: so as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about all, some of these girls, they come in, they don't have guitars, they don't have drums, they don't have things like that. So wh- I'd like to talk about h- how you built the infrastructure for that maybe a little bit, talk about what Spark Central, how, how that's worked together with that. I'd like to know more about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. <coughs> well, the first year that we did Girls Rock Lab, I have such um good memories of that first year (laughs) it was uh it felt a lot like a a really kind of diy operation uh we we provided all of the instruments the the volunteers did that year and it's changed over time and i'll talk about that but um that first year we just we everyone brought the instruments that they had the volunteers and we sort of pieced together enough um of a band set up to get to allow, you know, girls to come through and practice with their band. And that first year, I remember, so in 2014, I actually had just had my first baby. I had my baby in May. And later on in, in May, oh, my baby was born May 2nd. And at the end of May was volume, the volume uh, music festival. And this was like one of my first trips out of the house. And I went to see a conversation that was happening as part of volume that they called the state of the scene, music, the state of the scene, something like that. Mm-hmm. And Patrick Kendrick was interviewing Leah Satili, and he asked her, what is one thing that you would like to see happen in the Spokane music community? And Leah said, why hasn't anyone started a rock and roll camp for girls oh. mm-hmm. in Spokane? It's 2014. And so afterwards I was sitting in the audience and was kind of like, it, this is something I'd always wanted to do. So, um, afterwards I went up to her and was like, well, let's do this. Let's, let's start it. And Brooke Matson was there who at the time was working with ink art space before it became spark. So we connected with Brooke and we connected with, uh, Misha Jakubchuk and uh, the four of us had a meeting and then we invited in some other local musicians and, uh, There were, I don't know, there were were like seven or eight of us that gathered at Atticus and we talked about what we could do to make this happen. And this was at the end of May in 2014 (laughs) and we had our first Girls Rock Lab in August. We just made it happen and um, it was really fun and uh, really noisy. We had one (laughs) room at Mm -hmm. Ink Art Space and realized very quickly we needed more space than that. Uh, Although that was right next to the Bartlett. And so we actually, that year there, um, we were able to use the Bartlett a little bit during our rock camp. And then our show was at the Bartlett, uh, at the end of the camp. And so since then, um, we have, we've, when Spark Central became Spark Central, um, we became, well, we all have always been a program through them, but, um, worked through spark central. We had the camp one year there and now we have it at the Spokane public library and the Spokane public library has instruments that they actually will check out to people. So during girls rock lab, they'll let us use the instruments and they also have excellent sound equipment, many microphones. They've got all the gear we need. So that is really helpful in terms of the logistics of actually getting the camp working. So we have the instruments, we have the gear, we've got lots of space um, at the Spokane Public Library too. And now where the camp runs for two weeks, we have, well, two sessions each Mm -hmm. for one week and then a show at the end. And we've been kind of slowly expanding and we want to keep doing that and Mm -hmm. keep um, adding you know, maybe another session, adding more time to the day. Right now it's just a three-hour program per day, and we eventually would love to have it be a full-day program. So we keep kind of slowly building. So that's a long answer. Um, Did I answer your question? I like long answers.
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: that's very good,
0: yeah. And how do the girls or or the folks that would want to be part of this camp, how do they sign up or how do they get information and how to do that?
1: So they would register through Spark Central, and Spark Central um, on their website will have a link to Girls Rock Lab. I believe that both of our sessions are full for this year already, but we do have waiting lists. Oh, Oh, they fill up so fast. Even that first year when we had such short time, every year they've filled up so quickly. But we do have, you know, occasionally spots become available because it's summertime and you know, vacations happen and people, Mm -hmm. you know, plans change. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there are waiting lists. And I think if, if there's a kid out there who wants to participate, then sign up on the waiting list. And we have the, the show, the, the culminating show will happen on August 17th on Saturday at seven o'clock PM at the Spokane public library. And it's a really fun event that's open to the public and the participants will be playing their songs then, and um, that's a fun thing to mm. to come listen to too. If if there's someone out li- out there listening mm, who's a kid sure. who wants to participate or a parent who's interested, come to our show and get a sense of what we're all about.
2: Yeah. Well, I know I've been involved with Spark since they were Inc. and I've watched Inc grow to Spark, and I've watched it grow. And I'll tell you, I, Girls Rock Lab is kind of it's kind of the flagship. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. thing that Spark sees. They always play at the salons. Uh, mm-hmm. A band from Girls Rock Lab. Um, they they're part of the videos. So, I mean, you've built that into something that's uh, really successful. That's a really big deal. So, congratulations on that. In oh, what? Thank you. Five years. This is your sixth year. This will be the sixth time that we
1: do it. So yeah, five years. Um, Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm really proud of the program and also so thankful for all of the support that we've had through Spark Central, through the community. And, uh, and it always has been a community effort. We, There are so many people who volunteer and so many people who've helped behind the scenes with organizing and Misha in those first years was such a huge help. And Rebecca Chadwell has been a huge help Mm -hmm. um, in those early years too. And Brooke and um, so many people. Audrey Overstreet has been a volunteer with us. Jamie has been a volunteer with us for a long, I mean, there's so many people who um, have worked because we really believe in this program and mm-hmm. see how amazing it is for the kids who participate.
2: Yeah. Well, maybe now would be a good time there to listen to one of those songs. Just right? the same
4: <laughs> thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So let's pop one up.
1: So this song is by a band called Rebel Friday. And uh, this band. Was formed at Girls Rock Lab in 2017, and this is their song called We Ain't Barbies.
3: (laughs) All right, folks, please welcome to the stage Rebel Friday. (laughs) All right, on guitar we have JoJo the Awesome. And on drums, Murica the Beautiful. With a trumpet in her hands is Clarence. And EJ on keys. This is We Ain't Barbies. Song is dedicated to Katherine Switzer, Rosa Parks, Marie Curie, and Mary Jackson.
1: The name of that band was Rebel Friday. Rebel
2: Friday. Oh, man, uh, that was great. And we, were t- <laughs> as that ended, we were looking at each other like, oh, man, they felt like rock stars. Thank
0: you, Yeah. Smoke, yeah. Oh, that, that's,
2: that's great. That is wow. awesome. Want to do a promo right now? Let's
0: yeah. do a quick little yeah. uh, promo. Um, help keep Art Hour coming due every week for as little as $3 a month by texting GIVE, K-Y-R-S, to one." Art Hour relies on support from listeners like you. Again, just $3 a month keeps KYRS going strong, and you can help by texting GIVE, KYRS, to
2: Also, this is a special announcement. KYRS needs your help right now. Our transmitter up on the mountaintop needs new power supplies. The transmitter is bigger than your refrigerator and has six power supplies to keep it running. The power supplies are beginning to fail, and if several of them fail, as was the case recently, the transmitter shuts down and we lose our broadcast. Please consider making a special donation to KYRS right now to keep our signal strong. We need to raise $1,500 in one week to buy these power supplies. You can donate quickly and securely online at kyrs.org with a PayPal account or text give kyrs to 44321. That's give kyrs to 44321.
0: Liz, that was great. Um, And I was just imagining, you know, at the end, you know, there was a lot of, I'm sure, parents and friends of the kids in that band, um, you know, give them a lot of support. And just maybe that little adrenaline rush, you know, the performers had after that. So going back for you as a performer, uh, where did it all start? And when did you kind of know that, man, this is what I've got to do as a performer yourself?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I wish I had had something like Girls Rock Lab when I was a kid. Um, I uh, I always loved to sing and to play music and uh started, I don't know, started writing song, like folk songs, I think in college and started playing open mics, um, in college, but always felt kind of shy about it. Uh, I don't know. I, I I'm still thinking about uh, those girls on stage and just how powerful they are up there and how, um, I wish that it didn't feel like this unique situation where they're on stage and um, having their voices amplified. I I wish that that was didn't feel like such a uh, you know unusual kind of thing because I think so often girls historically and still are asked to be quiet to listen or at least to defer to the men around them and I think that still happens even now in two thousand nineteen even as you know the me too movement is happening. And even as we are having kind of more cultural uh, and social conversations around women's empowerment. But, um, so, you know, I, I never, never really, um, thought that like I could be on a stage and loved playing songs, loved writing them and playing them. And when I started collaborating, collaborating with people, I think that's when I, um, kind of felt the confidence to, to start performing live in front of people. And I did, um, I also majored in music in college. So I had that kind of performing experience too, where, um, uh, where I had like, you know, recitals that uh, were scheduled to perform and that sort of thing. But playing as a singer songwriter felt different because I, there's, I don't know, I, I had to, put myself out there in a way that felt a little bit different to me going to a venue and saying, I'm a singer songwriter. Can you book me? Um, and kind of having to like prove that I knew what I was doing or knew enough of what I was doing to be able to get on the stage and then just slowly built confidence, I think over time.
0: Mm -hmm. And, um, at this point now, um, you got a young family and everything, but it sounds like you. I thought I read somewhere where you cannot not perform. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. yeah, just talk to us a little bit about you know, maybe your process, uh, what excites you, maybe uh, people you look up to or who have inspired you to do what you're doing.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I feel like I'm really actually very introverted, and it takes a lot of energy for me to get on a stage and perform. Um, but I love doing it. And it, it also, um, it also feeds me in, in a way that is really, um, exciting, but it, it does take a lot of energy. And now that I have two small kids at home, uh, I haven't been performing as much. And part of that is just because I'm exhausted and don't have (laughs) the time to, schedule a show and get out there and get a babysitter and get on stage and stay up late and then get up, you know, nurse the baby throughout the night, et cetera. But, um, but I do love doing it. And I do have this sort of weird, um, I, I feel compelled to keep performing. I, I, I think artists love to share their art, you know, even though um, when I'm writing a song, it's a very kind of private, sort of thing at the beginning. I'm writing it because there's this thing I need to work through or something I really want to say. And I need, um, that sort of private and quiet space to do it. But then I want to share it with somebody and that's really vulnerable. I mean, it's, Mm. it's, um, (laughs) it makes me feel very vulnerable and it's really scary to do that too. Uh, but over the years I found that, you know, there are people who will connect with a song and not everybody will connect with the same song and that's okay. Um but to be able to share, you know, an experience or share something through art is really powerful and that's something that that's something that feeds me and something I, I really love to well,
2: do. The discussion of being vulnerable, I mean, one of the things that I've noticed in this town um is have you felt that since you've been out there doing that that it's been a pretty good and supportive community out there in the music community. Cause the thing that I've noticed is it just seems like this is a place where there's room for everybody.
1: Yeah. I feel so lucky to have come to Spokane when I did and to be, to be here now and to be a part of this art community. I, um, I moved here in 2009, uh, for grad school. And honestly, my plan was to move here, do grad school and move back to Minneapolis that was my plan and I didn't expect to stay in Spokane, but here I am 10 years later. Oh my goodness. 10 years <laughs> later, it's been 10 years and this is my home now. I have two kids who were born here and I I love it here and I have had so much support and I do think it's a place where there is room for everybody or there ought to be room for everybody and uh, there is room for everybody. And, um, and I think there are many ways that our city is supporting different kinds of artists. And I always think there's more work to be done, you know? Um, but I think that there, there's a lot of really amazing work that has been done to highlight new voices, h- emerging artists. Um, uh, Spokane Arts is a great organization that has been working to, to help provide support for artists. And the Bartlett has been um, amazing about booking a diverse lineup, making sure that there are women in the lineup, uh, making sure that, you know, different genres of music are represented. And it's it's great to see that and great to be in a town that feels big enough that there, there are all of those really amazing opportunities and small enough that you can feel like you're part of the community. You can get to know people and, you um, and you know, you're working with your friends. You're not just working with strangers in Spokane. You're helping to, and I think that's one thing that Spokane does is people work together and that helps to build this this really amazing community.
2: Yeah, that's what I've noticed. Uh, so you mentioned that you have a five-year-old, you have a one-year-old, that's right? That's right. Okay, mm-hmm. so... Um, you know, you talked about, you know, staying up all night, breastfeeding, all that stuff. So what is your, what is your, uh, performance schedule look like now that you're, you know, burning the candle at three ends? <laughs> uh, how often do you get out? How often do you get to write? I mean, what is, what is your process now?
1: So I don't have, uh, like a regimented, uh, schedule for writing or songwriting. It's really it ebbs and flows right now. Um, there are times where I have more time uh, and energy and times where I don't have any at all. And you know, it's, I have felt this sort of guilt about it. Like, Oh, I should be producing more. I should Mm. be doing, I should be playing more shows. I should, I haven't, you know, recorded an album in a long time. I should be doing that. I'm I'm obsolete. Um,
2: <laughs> you know, a psychologist would say you're shooting all over yourself. Exactly. <laughs>
4: exactly. Yes. A psychologist would say that. And,
1: and I think that, um, you know, when I have that, that I, I recognize that that's external pressure and that it's really, you know, no one... Um, no one is actually telling me that I have to be producing this amount of, m- amount of work in order to be uh, a legitimate artist. And I follow Lydia Yuknovich um, on social media, who is a writer that um, I think is great. And she recently um, posted, uh, I don't know, a, a, um, posted something that was kind of talking about how artists being an artist can look very different for many people and there are many different paths to being an artist and they're all legitimate and they're, you know, great. If like writing at 5am every day works for you, (laughs) that's legitimate and that's great. But if being an artist means like for me right now, it's, I'm caring for my kids. So my first priority is taking care of my children, um, taking care of, you know, their very real immediate physical needs Uh, and then sometimes I get time to write when they go to bed or sing when they go to bed. Not every day. I can't depend on it every single day, but that's okay. Like that's also a legitimate way to be Mm. an artist. I am a mother and an artist and I have a full-time job and none of it is, um, I'm not able to do all of that perfectly. That's also okay. Yeah.
2: (laughs) How often have you been able to get out and perform?
1: Occasionally, not very often. Um, i I hadn't performed for quite a while, and then I had a couple of back-to-back shows uh, around the time that volume happened this year. Mm-hmm. I, I got to play with Volume this year, which was um, really fun and I'm honored to get to do that. Uh, so I had a couple of shows like in in that month, and that was really fun. And then, you know I actually have the last few months I've had a few opportunities. So maybe like, once or twice a month in the last 3 months which is unusual usually it's less than that it's mm-hmm. maybe once every couple of months i'll have a show or you know do some do something that's a some kind of performance um, opportunity
0: yeah we talked about this a little bit uh, a little earlier you know about being a a mom with two young kids and just just that alone is such a a, a full-time job but some, and as we have interview, interviewed lots of artists, and you know, like you said, that everybody's different. Um, I think in today's uh, society, everybody's trying to patch in a little bit of time to do that. And some people are more creative uh, when they have those time constraints because they're forced to make the best use of that time. They become mm-hmm. more efficient at that. And others, you know. Um, kind of need that regimented ritual and kind of do that thing but you were saying that you've actually become use this as a way to get better at being more efficient with your time
1: oh yeah you have to be more efficient (laughs) when when you have kids um so it's forced me to do that it's also forced me to be able to multitask a little bit which i'm actually not good at i've never been good at multitasking um but i but i have to be able to you know fold some laundry while I'm thinking about the lyrics to my next song or, you know, kind of be able to do some of that. Although it's always best when I get a little space of time that is 100% quiet around me and there's nobody else in the house. That is time that is amazing and so precious to me that happens very rarely, (laughs) but it does happen sometimes. And, uh, when the kids go to bed, um, that's a good time you know, to, to be efficient and to, and to get to work on something creative. I also have a partner who's really supportive. My partner, Jason Johnson, who plays in Buffalo Jones, um, is a musician too. And so we'll share time that way. He's great about, you know, taking the kids, taking them out for a walk while I have some time at home. And I'll do the same for him. He's got band. We both have band practice every week, so we can kind of trade that off a little bit. Mm-hmm. That that helps a lot.
0: What, um, as you were deciding to become a music major, obviously there was something in your past that either, you know, got you excited about music. It could have been a performer. could be just your community. Um, but do you have performers and or maybe specifically a female performer that um, really kind of inspired you to um, make this journey yourself
4: yeah
1: so I always feel like this is a cliche answer but mm-hmm. Ani defranco was a huge inspiration to me and still is uh, I think uh, her music was really important to me um, when I was young uh, in my late teens early 20s I uh, I, I really connected with her music and I also loved her to, to kind of watch her journey that she did really sort of on her own. She built this record company and, um, built this whole sort of following on her own just by traveling and selling tapes out of the back of her car, which was, you know, that's amazing. That's so cool. (laughs) And, um, so she was an was definitely an influence on my early songwriting like the first songs that i started writing i feel like i listen to them and i can hear her influence a lot but i love other folk singers too um women folk singers like dar williams has been a big influence on me and um, uh, gillian welch and lucy kaplansky these are all uh folk singers um that I have loved and have have had opportunities to see play live. Um, But also, you know, Tori Amos, there, there, there are a lot of musicians that have been really influential, I think, in my songwriting and watching, watching them perform and watching them, watching their careers.
2: Yeah. Well, I hate to sound like one of those TV hosts where I say, speaking of songwriting (laughs) and performing. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But uh, I think this would be a good time to hear one of your songs.
1: Sure. Let's play something from one of my albums. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, this song is called Lake Oka Boji, and it's off of my second album, which is called Topographies. <laughs>
2: Well, we were talking while that was playing. Holy cow, that's so powerful. It sounds so beautiful. And you mentioned Mm -hmm. you recorded this with your friend Dan.
1: Yeah, Dan Zamzow, who I played with a lot uh, in Minneapolis. Mm. He's in the band Cloud Cult. He plays cello in that band. Mm. And um, he and I collaborated a lot. And um, he plays cello on that track also.
2: And then at the end, too, um, I, I mentioned, I said, wow, that's a... It's a dark ending to the song. And you said, do you write mostly sad songs? Is that what you do? <laughs> Which is fine, because I do too. When I write songs, my friends will say, man, are you really that dark inside? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just letting out what's in. Do you do that too?
1: I do. I write a lot of really dark songs. And so sometimes it's um, kind of funny to me when someone asks me to play like the background music for their like happy event, you know? <laughs> just don't listen to the words. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do I do have like a wedding set that I can play. Okay. But, you know, like... um Someone will have like a reception, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, you know, usually I end up playing covers then because my songs are like, oof, they're 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 sad. But I think, um, I, you know, I I think that writing music for me, um, it's one way that I've worked, you know, been able to kind of um, work through difficult emotions mm-hmm. and in a healthy way. Like I think writing sad songs can be really useful and uh freeing you know right well i
2: yeah. i mean this reminds me of this is just a stupid uh, sydney Pollack, the the film director said when i'm making a movie it's really easy to keep people interested while the couple's falling in love it's really easy to keep them interested while they're falling out of love but it's not very interesting when <laughs> people are in love <laughs> and i think about that i mean there's not a lot it's it's hard to write a great song about everything's
0: perfect yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, do you, are you um, a lyrics first, and then try to mess, uh, play around, jam it out with, and find the right kind of balance for the melody and those kind of things, or vice versa?
1: Actually, it depends on the song. Hmm. It depends on uh, so many different factors. I think, and it also depends on what instrument I'm using, because. Mm-hmm that song that we listened to, I wrote actually, you know what? I wrote that on the guitar. I had forgotten. I never played on the guitar anymore. I now played on piano or, or harp. Um, I think that I'm better at the piano. And so I'm, I'm able to write differently. I'm not very good at the guitar. Um, I'm, I'm only uh, I'm only, a <laughs> <laughs> I'm mo- I mostly just play chords on the mm. guitar. Like I'm not a very good guitar player. So it accompanies whatever the lyrics are. So when I'm writing a song on the guitar, I usually come up with lyrics first and then figure out like a chord progression that is interesting enough, but not too difficult. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> but on the piano, I can write songs that are, are a little bit, more complex, and um, so there's more available to me in terms of thinking about the harmony and the chord progression and all of those sorts of things. And I do; I'm a composer too, and so I write for other instruments. Um, and so all of those things to me feel like I, I approach a little bit differently, uh, even though. In the end, I'm creating a piece of music to be performed. Um, I approach them all a little bit differently.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. We probably should take a little
2: break and say this is KYRS, Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and... 92.3. I
0: never remember that number. I don't know why.
2: Um, And I have a special service announcement that I've been asked to read again. Uh, KYRS needs your help right now. Our transmitter up on the mountaintop needs new power supplies. The transmitter is bigger than your refrigerator and has six power supplies to keep it running. The power supplies are beginning to fail, and if several of them fail, as was the case recently, the transmitter shuts down and we lose our broadcast. Please consider making a special donation to KYRS right now to keep our signal strong. We need to raise $1,500 in one week to buy these power supplies. You can donate quickly and securely online at KYRS.org with a PayPal account or Text give KYRS to four four three two one. That's give
0: KYRS to four four three two one. So, Liz, as you write your songs, and I think as people go through different life stages, maybe you talked about you like to work out your emotions through your songwriting. Um, you've you've kind of in this transitional stage. I think you know from pre mother you know and just you know young female trying to make it in the music world as well as you know teaching and those kind of things and now you're young mother but also um a little bit of a veteran maybe a mentor to other teachers um what's kind of going through your head now as you you know the seeds that are planted in terms of what you're working through that will come out in your songs
1: that's a good question. Um, I, so I recently wrote a song called have it all, which is, uh, a song that's about being a working mom. Um, and that song to me feels a little bit different than some of the, like, I used to always write songs that were really so, um, so scripted for my personal life you know, really kind of about like the struggles of dating and the struggles of um, being a young woman, a bisexual young woman who has struggled with, you know, alcohol and had all these like kinds of other struggles that I had dealt with. And there was a lot of like material, life material for me to kind of really write about personally. But I'm happy now. (laughs) 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 And my life is pretty stable. And I'm so lucky in so many ways to have like good health and, um, and just stability and like all of this, all of this stuff that's like, just really nice, uh, and um, and calm. I don't have a lot of like t- inner, um, immediate turmoil. So uh, that song have it all. That is something I struggle with is like being a full time working mom in, uh, in the patriarchy, <laughs> and. Uh, but it's a song that is um, a kind of more about this like bigger issue that isn't just about my my own personal sort of uh, my own personal drama, which I, I think there's I think it's I love listening to songs that are about people's own personal dramas because I, I can connect, um, you know, to that kind of intimacy with with someone's songwriting. But I also think songwriting that uh, is about, you know, kind of the bigger issue. Uh, or the bigger issues can also be really compelling and, and interesting. And I want to write more songs that are more overtly political and more about, um, some of the uh, issues that I care about. And I think it's, it's hard to do that. Um, because, uh, I, I don't know, I guess I feel like I, I can speak from such a, um, I don't know, from such a firsthand place when I'm talking about my own sort of struggle. And I obviously can also talk from a firsthand place when I'm talking about, you know, you know, something like being a, a working mother in the patriarchy. Um, but to also sort of speak for other working mothers in the patriarchy, uh, feels like, um, a big responsibility. So that's something I want to do though is to kind of work on writing more of those songs, writing about issues that I care about.
2: Now do you um create in other ways too? I, I mean I understand that you are you have an MFA in fiction writing, is that correct?
1: I have an MFA in creative writing. Creative writing. Nonfiction.
2: So are, oh yes. nonfiction. So yeah. what kind of writing do you do that's not songwriting?
1: Uh I write essays um Essays. I do write some fiction for fun. I haven't published any fiction uh, and poetry too. Um, I've published a couple of essays, um, but writing is also something that, you know, I, I need that like quiet space. And it's, again, kind of hard in my current life to find a lot of that space. So I find that my projects slow down a lot. So I'm not writing, you know an essay a month, I'm writing an essay every six months mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. And, uh, not publishing very much or at all right now, <laughs> but, uh, hoping to start sending things out, uh, you know, once I start to get a little bit more time, um, as my kids get a little older.
2: Do you find your songs reflecting, the you know the the five year old one year old part of your life. I mean, do you find that it that being a mom of two kids has changed the kind of stuff you write about?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm writing about motherhood, and when I was pregnant with my daughter, and uh, when I found out that I was going to have a daughter, I, for the first time in a long time, I was inspired to write a song and wrote a song kind of about you know, I I was, I'm, I, I love my children no matter what their genders are, but also knowing that I was going to have a daughter to raise, um, brought up a lot of fear for me because of the ways that I have experienced being a woman in this world. And because of, you know, the knowledge of not only just disempowerment and, um, you know, being silenced, uh, but also violence and, you know, real, really difficult, um, elements of, of being, being a woman. So I wrote a song that, that, um, and I'm forgetting, oh, it was called unfurl. I haven't performed it, um, live anywhere. I have, there's a YouTube recording of it somewhere, but, uh, it's one that I someday will record, but it's, it's kind of about, it's dark <laughs> I was <laughs> pregnant and wrote this really dark song about welcoming a baby girl into the world and it's also hopeful it's also saying like and also mm-hmm. there is you know all of this beauty in the world and it can be amazing to be empowered and and strong um, but also it can be a, a dark place, a scary place so I hope that I can raise both my kids uh, in a way to help help uh, make changes
0: in the world mm-hmm. Yeah, is this something you uh, you do in your teaching as well, is to uh, show or talk about how real life experiences and you're using your emotions to come out in your writing, or uh, I mean, do you put your own stamp on your own particular class that you teach out at Eastern?
1: Ooh, good question. I I, I well, I don't talk about my personal life very much in. Um, in teaching, but I do put my own stamp on teaching. I think we were talking a little bit Mm -hmm. earlier about, uh, bringing audio into the classroom Mm. and, um, I teach English composition. So I teach a class that, uh, all college students are required to take, which creates some challenges as a teacher Mm -hmm. because, um, in, you know, in higher ed, uh, the classes that everyone is required to take. Sometimes there are students there who don't want to be there, (laughs) um, which I respect and under, you know, I understand that I get that. I don't take it personally anymore. I used to, but I don't anymore. Um, but, uh, try, I try to make it interesting by helping them to (coughs) learn about the things that, uh, you know that they might expect to learn about, and that that I'm expected to teach them in terms of standard American English and essay writing and argumentation, but also um, incorporating digital elements and uh, doing things with audio writing, which is kind of mm-hmm.
0: fun. That'd be cool. I'm thinking. Um, I don't know. You seem like you're in a good place, Liz, right now, in in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, maybe in a in a few words though, how would you how would you describe kind of where you're at, and then maybe where where you'd like to be five ten years down the road with oh, your that's art? Such a
1: good question. Um, I mean, I do feel like I'm in a good place too. I feel so lucky for what I have in my life right now. I'm um, oh my gosh, feeling like emotional about it too. <laughs> like, I just I'm so thankful for the health of my family and. Um, I feel so lucky to get to play music for people sometimes to get to write, to get to be a creative person who has creative outlets. I feel so lucky to get to have that in my life right now. Um, and so I'm so thankful uh, for that. And, uh, you know, I would love to record another album. And I Mm -hmm. think that's something that I've been thinking about for a long time and, uh, I have so many songs that I haven't recorded, and I, I, that's something that I want to do in the next year. Uh, that's something I want to do. Um, so I'm kind of—I've been sort of thinking about ways to kind of mm-hmm. start that process, and I also want to start a band. Oh, Ooh. there we go! <laughs> <laughs> in all awesome. my spare time. <laughs> yeah, right, right,
0: right. Well, Liz, um, it has been really awesome. Spokane's really lucky to have you. Uh, as part of its uh, creative community um, and certainly another plug for Girls Rock Club at Spark Central such a great way to uh, uh, use your talents to help empower other young females that will who knows be other future Liz Rognesses here in <laughs> Spokane and uh, you know it's just Really good having you.
2: And it's been great because, I mean, you can't see it on the radio, obviously, but you've got such a positive energy. You've got such a good vibe. It's just really cool hearing your music and seeing the stuff that you're doing in the community. Uh, I mean, it's it's been an honor that you came in here, and uh, I can't wait to listen to more of your songs. That was that was just absolutely beautiful. It really kind of floored me. So thanks
0: Thank for much. coming in. Thank yep. you so That's much. It. Thank you for and, having uh, me. <laughs> yes, so this is uh, KYRS 88.1 Medical Lake, Spokane. And we'll see you next week.
2: I also want to point out that if you've been listening to this on the radio and you uh, caught it halfway through, you can uh, find Art Hour anywhere you find your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere else. You can go there and you can listen
3: to this show or any other of our previous shows. Thanks for listening.